G'day, welcome to Age Abuse and Justice, where each episode I summarise an elder abuse case to demonstrate what elder abuse looks like and how the law deals with it. Age Abuse and Justice started as short videos published on YouTube. I did 15 cases in video format, but it took much longer to record and edit, so gradually I eased out of videos to focus on the podcast. It also allowed me to do cases in more detail. I'm now adding the audio from those video recordings to be available on the podcast channel as well. Please excuse the bad audio, these are made from when I was first learning how to use this equipment so it gets pretty dicey. So this is one of those video recordings. The videos are still available on YouTube if you'd like to check them out. You can search for Age Abuse and Justice or you could look on the New South Wales Legal Aid podcast channel. But I'll also include the links for this case in the notes below. So on to the case. So the case we're going to be looking at today is the case of Smith versus Johnson, and you can find the case citation in the link below. Frances Johnson withdrew $540,000 from her bank account on the 17th of May in 2007. She deposited $270,000 into the bank account of her son, Andrew Johnson, and she deposited the other $270,000 into a joint account in the name of her husband and her son, Andrew. At the time she withdrew the money, she was 82 years old, she had progressive dementia, and her son, Andrew, was her principal carer. So he lived in the house uh, full-time caring for her. Not long after withdrawing the funds in July, um, Mr Johnson died. And on that same day, Frances was taken to hospital and thereafter she moved into aged care accommodation. In September, her daughter Karen Smith was appointed as her guardian and financial manager. And soon afterwards, Karen sought orders from the court to have the funds, the $540,000, returned to her mother. So she made that application on two points. First, she argued that at the time of doing the transfer, that Frances did not have the capacity to transfer the funds. Secondly, she argued that even if she did have capacity, Andrew should still be compelled to return them to his mother. So Andrew disputed the claim and he argued on the basis of the presumption of advancement. So the presumption of advancement is whether a parent transfers money or property to a child, the law presumes that they gifted it. So which means that the parent is required to prove then that they didn't intend it to be a gift. It puts them on the back foot. Now, fortunately, in this case, there was some medical records available from before the transfer and after the transfer, um, which is normally not the case. So uh, we had medical records from 2006, which had Mrs. Robinson diagnosed with dementia. And then from basically around May through to June 2007, there were several doctors, nurses and caseworker reports that indicated that Mrs. Robinson had dementia and that she was struggling to make, to make decisions about her life and decisions about her finances. In July 2007, only two months after the transfer, Frances saw a geriatric specialist who said that she had severe dementia, she was unaware of her surroundings and time, and that she required a guardian or financial manager. Andrew and Karen both applied to the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal to be appointed as that financial manager. And it's interesting to note that in his application to be appointed as financial manager, Andrew admitted that his mother had dementia, 
that it, she had been deteriorating all the way up until June and that she had more bad days than good. However, he did argue that on the day she did the transfer, she was having a good day. The court was asked to determine, firstly, did Frances Robinson have dementia so, um, and was she so bad that she lacked the necessary capacity to do the transfer on the day? And secondly, if she did have capacity, should Andrew still be compelled to return the $540,000 to his mother? So Justice Forster of the Supreme Court said that she had, at the very least, had capacity to understand that in the broadest sense that she was signing checks and therefore she had the capacity to do the transaction. He was then required to look at whether Andrew was retired, required to return the funds. And what he looked at was principles of catching bargains unconscionability and undue influence. Catching bargains applies where one party to a transaction is at a special disadvantage because of illness, ignorance, impaired faculties or other circumstances that affect their ability to protect their own interest. Now the court applied this principle and found that Mrs Robinson did have a special disadvantage and that she obtained no benefit from the transaction at all. The court also found that the principles of unconscionability applied that Mrs. Robinson was under a special disability which affected her capacity to protect her own interest and that that special disability was known to Andrew and he took advantage of it. And the court also found that the principles of undue influence applied. And what they referred to there was that Andrew had been Mrs. Robinson's principal carer and she was dependent upon him and that they said it would have been, un that it would have made it difficult for her to refuse the proposal when he put it to her. So in the end, the court award ordered that Andrew was to return the funds as well as damages for losses. Now, the case didn't end there because Andrew then appealed. Um, and he appealed stating, firstly, that his intentions were always to protect his mother's money so he couldn't have been acting unconscionably. And also that she wasn't so dependent upon him that she couldn't have refused the proposal. The court didn't agree. Uh, they basically said regardless of his intentions, he was aware of his mother's dis special disadvantage and he took advantage of it to his benefit. And secondly, they said um, that given her dementia, given that he was her primary carer and she was dependent upon him, and also given the relationship of love and care between them, there would have been unlikely for her to be able to refuse the proposal. Unfortunately, it still didn't end there. Um, Andrew then applied to the High Court for leave for that decision to be dismissed. Uh, and the High Court held that any appeal would not have had sufficient prospects of success and denied his appeal. So in the end, Andrew was ordered to return the funds to his mother as well as damages for losses. So that is um, the case of Johnson and Smith. Uh, I hope you found it interesting and I hope you join me for another case study.